God, thank you so much, Lord, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity, as your psalm says. God, we thank you that you brought us here together, God, to worship you together, to study your word together, God, to come before you and to hear from you. And God, I ask as we are together that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that you would anoint this time, God, that your hand would be upon us, that your hand would be upon our hearts, Lord. God, we need you. We sure do need you, God. We want to be here, Lord, with you right now. And we long to be closer. And God, we long for you to heal us, God, of those things inside of our heart that really are hindering us, God, Lord, with one another, with you, Lord. God, we need you right now. And only your Holy Spirit can do this work. So we ask, God, that you bless your word right now and that, Lord, you would be glorified all in all. God, thank you for this moment we have to be in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In Santa Cruz, California, these teenage sisters, Mandy and Carrie, died when a car driven by Elisa Te- Tegenkamp ran into their minivan. The parents, Dan and Lynn Wagner, were driving, and they were severely injured, but they survived uh, while their two daughters were killed. Tegenkamp was driving while high on coke, meth, and alcohol. Though the parents are devastated with indescribable pain from the loss, they continue to trust God, and they continue to faithfully serve the Lord. They actually reached out in love to the woman who killed their two daughters. When Lisa wrote back, she shared that she had given her life to Jesus while in prison, and wrote to them expressing her repentance and her deep grief. Well, in 2008, she was released, and the Wagners met her face to face. They all appeared publicly to speak about the accident and to share their faith in Jesus Christ. The article said this at the end. The Wagners know that forgiving Lisa is vital for her sake, but also for theirs as well. The article went on to say, their testimony is remarkable proof that Jesus is real and that his love transforms. Isn't that good? It's true. Love does transform our hearts. To be able to see these parents go and reach out in love to this woman, that is Jesus working in there. Well, isn't that what Jesus said? That that this really shows that Jesus is the one who transforms. Jesus is the one who is working. Isn't this what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35? He said, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Well, this morning, today, we return to the book of 1 Peter, and Peter drives this home that we are to be a people who truly love. You know why? Because Jesus. Because of Jesus. So with that in mind, believers are called to live out the mission to love. That's the title of our message this morning, the mission to love. We're going to be uh, studying 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 22 through 23. Just two verses here this morning. Now, before I give you our outline, I want us to to just read this together. Let's go ahead and grab our Bibles and pull them out. And um, I know I'm going to ask you guys to stand one more time. (laughs) But if you can stand, and we'll honor the Lord in this way. I don't always have you do this, but we only have two verses, so I thought it would be good for us to read this out loud together. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Having purified... Your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Verse 23 Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You may be seated. Well, in these two verses, I've broken them up really into four headings for our outline. And this is really what we're going to cover. This really connects to our points that we're going to be seeing. 
And so in this, the mission to love, we find four things. Number one, the capacity. Number two, the command. Number three, the character. And number four, the consistency. So that is our outline for this morning. So let's begin here with number one in our outline. In this, the mission to love. Number one, the capacity. The capacity. Now take a look one more time here in verse 22. It begins saying, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. And we're going to stop right there. We begin now with Peter writing this. Having been purified, uh, excuse me, having purified your souls by obedience. Let's take that first part. Peter is saying that having purified your souls, in other words, we've been forgiven. We've been cleansed from sin when we were saved. We've been purified basically from the old sinful self, our old sinful flesh. No longer is that sinful person uh, like a part of controlling us. We are free from the bondage of our sin. You know, Romans 6 talks about that, how we died with Christ, how we were risen with Christ, and we were raised into this freedom to make a choice that we can be servants, we can yield ourselves to be servants of sin or servants of righteousness. So that's the idea here where Peter's saying, look, you guys have been purified. No longer are, are you in that bondage of sin. You've been forgiven and cleansed. You've been purified in that way. Well, then he says, that came to be, how we came to be purified was by obedience to the truth. And what is that? How we responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How we received Jesus. How we were saved by him. How we put our faith in what he did in dying on the cross for us. And we came to him, responded to his love and his call. And we gave him our life. We believed in him. We put our faith in his atonement for our sins. And then we were saved. And then we were purified, forgiven, and made free from the sinful flesh. So now, having this in mind, it it connects to what we've been studying about this whole time, right? Uh, In the past weeks, we've been going through the, the section above that, I believe from verse 13, that we are to conduct ourselves, that we are to live for Jesus Christ. You remember how we saw how we are saved believers now, and we need to now live for Jesus. And, and even more so, we are inspired by the verses right above that we saw last week. That was the source of our inspiration of how Jesus atoned for our sins. So this is flowing right into this. And with the idea of, hey, you guys, remember, you guys have been purified. No more that sinful nature and flesh that you're bondage to. You've been forgiven. You've been cleansed. So, he goes on now. He goes on here in verse 22. He says now, by your obedience to the truth, and then he says this, for, you are purified for, you know what, a purpose. For a purpose. And what is that? For a sincere brotherly love. Sincere, the word here means genuine, right? A real love. And really, you can take it to the point where it's a true love. Before, in our bondage to our flesh, our our sinful flesh, right? We could only give a sort of a, I would say, a selfish love, yeah? That wasn't a real love that God talks about. It, it, uh, uh, It was not a real love, for that kind of love, remember, was conditional. We would love, we would only give love only if I got what I wanted, right? Only if you do what I want. Yeah, we, I would only love you if you agree with me. And that's this fleshly love, right, that we see in the world. That's what we see, how we live before, how we would use the love to manipulate to get what we want. And Peter's saying, look, that, that's not sincere love. That's not genuine love. That's not the true love here. But you've been purified. You've been cleansed. You've been made new. No longer that sinful flesh. And so... You have been cleansed by your obedience, your response to the gospel. For what? In Jesus, to love with, and this is what he says here, a sincere what? Brotherly love. 
Now, our two words in English there is one word in the Greek, which is Philadelphia. Uh, you guys might know, yeah, the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a Greek word, actually. And Philadelphia means like a friendship love, or more in particular in our passage here, a family kind of love, a family kind of content, uh, a connection kind of love. You know, this is how I think about it. when I thought about family love, you know, as a husband, as, as a father, and now I'm in this stage, I'm a grandpa now, okay? three grandkids, you know, and, and it's this, this family's just morphing and growing. And, and, and my, our kids, you know, are with, uh, the, you know, their, their spouses and all. And, and, and now it's like, wow, it's just growing. But th- there's this connection. I, I, when I see my grandkids, I, I have this strong bond thinking that, wow, this is, this is part of me. This is part of us. And, and I just feel this bond, this kind of strong bond. Well, put that in your mind with what Peter's saying here. God is saying this. God has put believers into, you know what? A new family. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that is the place to express this Philadelphia. This true love to form a strong bond. That's why here, Peter uses that Greek word, Philadelphia. in particularly focusing on that as children of God now, adopted into this family, we're adopted into this new family where we can express this family kind of love, this, this strong bond that we can form with each other. Now, in the, in the next uh, part, you're going to see the word is agape, but we're not there yet. Right here is that Philadelphia, the family love to form this strong bond. You've got to understand this now. You have to understand that it is the Holy Spirit that unites the body of Christ into one, into this oneness. Ephesians 4.4, the first part said, there is one body and one spirit. And that one spirit puts us into one body united in Christ. Now we know the spirit lives in us, right? We're temples of the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and resides in us, 1 Corinthians 3. And that same spirit is what unites us together as one family. And you know, what is the glue? What is the glue between us that makes us form this strong bond? It's Philadelphia. It's love. So here's Peter. Since, you guys, you've been purged now. Yeah, No more that sinful flesh. You know why? So that we can love and form a strong bond. So that could be the glue. Since we're one ohana, we need to love each other like we are one family. Like we're living in harmony. Colossians 3.14 says, And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The word love there is agape, actually, there. We are to love in this highest level of love. So, let me say again, God purified us so that we can be, form a strong bond to be one family. And let me take this one more step further. God purified us so that we are able to love in a way to form this strong bond of unity. We couldn't before because of our sinful flesh, but we've been purified. So now, listen, this is the point. Since God has purified you from the old sinful self, you now have the capacity to love fellow believers. Do you understand what he's saying here? Isn't that amazing? We have that capacity because no more that sinful flesh. We can, we are able to do that because we've been freed from the bondage of our sinful flesh that doesn't want to do that. But God has freed us in a way that we can now. We have the capability now to love as what Peter's talking about here. You know what I think of? I think of an Ezekiel, of the verses in Ezekiel 36 
verse 25 and 26. Actually, I'm going to back up one verse in verse 24. The Lord is speaking here, and he says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. So here in Ezekiel, it's a prophecy. The Lord is talking to Israel about bringing them back into the land. But he's going to gather them back together as like one nation again. But look what he says in verse 25, or you can see on the screen. I'll read to you. On Ezekiel 36, uh, 25, it says, And I will give you what? A new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, the hard heart, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh or a soft heart. This is what the Lord has done in our salvation. He's freed us. He's purified us from that sinful flesh. And now he's given us this new heart. You know what? That we can actually love each other as family. That we can form a strong bond like family. You see, I believe this message is really important for us today because God is setting up the mission here. The mission to love. Notice that the first place we see in 1 Peter, the first thing we see in verse 22 is sincere brotherly love. It's, It's this place to love as family. Because you know what? That's the most important thing that the world needs to see in the church. I mean, if they don't, then they're going to think, well, wow, why consider Jesus? You guys in the church is just like out over here in the world, right? As the verse I read to you earlier, they'll know that we are Christians, what? By our love. There's an old Calvary song that went that way. And it was ringing in my head like, we will know we, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Anyway, <laughs> maybe you're here today and it seems hard. Maybe it seems like, well, there's, you don't know my situation. You, you don't know what's going on. It seems an impossible thing. But you know what? Mission impossible can be possible, right? If you watch the movies, right? It may seem hard, but God has given us the heart now. He's changed us. He's freed us. For what? This purpose, for sincere brotherly love, to love in that way. So we have that capacity. It may seem impossible, but remember, with man it seems impossible, but not with God, for what? All things are possible with God. Mark 10, 27. So understand this, first of all. Since we're purified from that old sinful self, we now have that capacity to love fellow believers. All right, so God made it possible for us to fulfill the mission to love. He's given us the capacity. Let's go to number two now. Number two, the command. The command. Look at verse 22 once again. After it says, for a sincere brotherly love, then we have three words here. Love one another. Now, since believers have this capacity to love the church family, Peter's like, you know what? Do it. Let's do it. Love one another. I want you to know this is a command. This is the command. It's not an option. It's not like, well, I don't know if I feel like it, I'll do it. I, it's, it, it's, it's not like, well, maybe, maybe today, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. No, it's a command for us to do that now. This is the call to the mission to love. I mean, think about this. Jesus said this too, right, in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. You see, this is the mission. This is what God has called us to do. Now, we've talked about this before. The word love here in verse 22, the the second time you see love, where it says love one another, is the Greek word agapao or agape. It means, as I speak about it many times, unconditional love. 
It's a sacrificial love. It's like what, 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 what Jesus did in sacrificing his life. It, it, it's a kind of love that God has for us. Agape, it's not based on feelings. It's not some uncontrolled emotion. It's not a physical attraction. But you know what? It's based on action. That's what agape is about. It's about doing. And Peter's telling us, we got to love. We got to do it. Just do it, the Nike yeah, uh, slogan is, right? It, agape is a love that is really an act of the will. If you're taking notes, write that down. That's important. It's an act of the will. In other words, love makes the choice. Agape is a choice that we make. Even when, you know what? The flesh says no. The flesh is screaming, ah, no, no, no. Now understand, this is how God loves. And this is the love we are to love with. And so this is actually, I would say, a supernatural love. It's the highest form of love. It's, it's nothing that we see in the world. It is unique to God alone. And it comes from God. That's the way we can do this. That's the way we can love. It has to come from the Lord. Romans 5.5, 5, God's love has been what? Poured out into our hearts. So we can love, right? And it's given to us, you know what that verse says? Through the Holy Spirit. And who lives within us? The Holy Spirit. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Who unites us? It's the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, God pours his love so that we can agape one another. Also, remember the gifts of, or, or the fruit of the Spirit, I should say. Remember the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. What's the first fruit that we read? Love. Love. So you see how important this is to God. So our point here is this. Since you can now, the command is to make the choice and love with this supernatural love from God. Since we can now, because we've been purified, the command is to make the choice now, an act of our will, and to love with this supernatural love, this love that's, that's been poured into us from God with the Holy Spirit living within us. I read about a woman named Mary Johnson who made global headlines in the news because 20 years ago, a man named Oshea Israel shot and killed her only son at this party. While serving his sentence, Mary visited Oshea in prison, and you know what? She told him, I forgive you. You kind of wonder, what, 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 what kind of person would handle this pain and loss in that way? What, what kind of, who would do that, Right? Well, when he was released, Mary actually arranged for Oshea to move in next door. And today, she calls him her spiritual son, and he calls her his second mother. And the article said, they go to church together. So, what kind of person would, would, would handle a situation like this? A believer? A Christian? Someone who's been purified of their sinful flesh, that they're freed of that bondage, and that as God has poured his love into her heart, she poured it out on this individual. See, the world sees that as, that's not normal. These, these kinds of stories make headlines because it's unusual, it's unique. You do not see this in the world. But you know what? That is the light of God, isn't it? The love of God, the love of Jesus Christ, and our love for one another, our love that we give, that same love that God gives us, we, 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 love, we give that love out. That's the light that shines in the dark pain of this world. This world is full of what? Anger and hate, animosity, hostility. So it's out to get you if you do them wrong. But that is the reason why the world needs Jesus. Why they need God. And that's why we need to follow, to heed to this command, 
to make the choice in love with the supernatural love from God. We need to shine the light, the light of God's love in this way. So you see now why God gives us the mission to love. This is the mission. And it's not like, this is your mission if you decide to accept it. Yeah. No, this is, this is what you got to do. This is God calling us to this mission. Well, let's go on here. Let's go to number three, the character. The character. We've seen the capacity that we can love in this manner, the command that we need to love one another, and now I want you to see the character of this love. Now, I mention a lot of things, and we've studied the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 13 too, and there's a lot of uh, 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 the character of love in there, but there's one thing in particular that uh, Peter's writing about here. So he says, love one another in verse 22. And at the end of the verse, he says, earnestly from a pure heart. So the question really is, is okay, so how, how are we to give this agape? How are we to give it? Well, verse 22 at the end says, earnestly from a pure heart. The word earnestly there in the original language language in the Greek is ektenes, ektenes, and it means stretch to the limit. It, it, it means even not just stretch, but you've reached that maximum limit. The old King James says fervent. I have the old King James in my head, so I'm thinking fervent, fervent, yeah, being fervent about it. Look over, um, turn over to just a couple pages to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Peter uses this Greek word again in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. He writes here in verse 8, Above all, keep loving one another, what? Earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. What's he talking about? He's talking about loving in a way that we are forgiving, that we forgive Plenty, like that lady I just told you about. So in this manner, we're to go, go and, and, and be, even if we're stretched to the limit, that's okay. We're going we're gonna to go in that manner. Matter of fact, the word pure heart, if you go back to 1 Peter 1.22, at the end it says, from a pure heart. The NLT puts it this way, with all your heart. Pure heart meaning everything in your heart. With your heart. Do it with your heart. Put it all in there. Put everything into loving like this. In other words, go all out to love. Go all out to forgive. Go all out in loving this way. That's what earnestly with a pure heart means. In Luke 10, verse 27, you remember Jesus said that you shall love the Lord. You guys know what, right? Your God with all your heart. Right? With all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. That's what Jesus said, that we need to go all out, basically. To, to, to stretch your love toward God with everything you got. With every part of your being, all to love God. But you know what the rest of that verse says in Luke uh, 10, 27? Jesus added, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, in the same way, we are to stretch our love, to give everything we, we've got, to go all out to love. This is the character that Peter wants us to focus in on here. The, the point here is this. The character of this kind of love makes an all-out effort and a willingness to be stretched to the limit. The character of this kind of love makes an all-out effort in a willingness to be stretched to the limit. You know, this Greek word is, is really used when, when a, a runner's running, and he's coming around the last corner, and the finish line is there. His, he's tired. His muscles are aching. The pain in his legs is telling him, stop, stop, I can't do it, stop. 
But he knows he has more to give. He knows there's that finish line there. And he brings his body into subjection and stretches it to the very limit. You ever see the guys like once they hit the tape, they're like on the ground? Why? Because they gave all. They went all out. They had no more strength left in him. But they reached that goal. That's the idea here. The character of this kind of love makes an all-out effort in the willingness to, to be stretched to the limit, to go all the way. Sometimes we feel like we can't take it anymore, right? Oh, you try my patience. I can't stop. You know, I can't do it. Your patience is strained. Your flesh is saying, no, no more. Yeah? The pain is saying, stop, right? Everything inside you, your flesh, everything's saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Because it's hard. It's hard to take. But Peter's saying, this agape love, you know what? You know what it does? It gets stretched to the limit. It gives everything. It keeps going it, all the way. A.W. Tozer said, I am determined that I am going to love everybody even if it kills me. <laughs> I have set my heart on it. I'm going to do it. I love that. I love that. Even if it kills me, my heart is set. And that's really the attitude to have. This is what agape love does. It's stretched to the limit. It means going that extra mile. It means forgiving again. And again, it means giving when you don't feel like it, but you know that's what God wants you to do. It means stretch to the limit. Means, it means you keep going even when you redline. Yeah. Even when the tachometer is redlining. No, you're, you're going to go. Even if it destroys the engine, this is what I'm going to do. It means leaving your comfort zone. It means making an effort when no one does. It means putting everything into doing what God wants you to do, loving one another. I read about how on the border of Germany and Denmark lives a little old man and woman who are very much in love. The trouble is one of them lives on each side of the border. When their countries were locked down uh, during COVID and the border was closed, they had been unable to visit each other. So every day, Inga Rasmussen, uh, 85 years old, drives from her home in the south of Denmark, and Tuchsen Hansen bicycles from his home in northern Germany to the border checkpoint where they pull up a chair and they sit and they share a drink and talk with one another. And it, without, you know, going over the border or crossing the border, but just in their own country. I thought that's, that's great. That's crazy. Well, when uh, the news picked it up, they were asked about it, and Turchison replied, we are here because of love. They made that effort. They went that extra mile, literally, to be together, to love, to really love. Why do we come here? For Jesus, to worship him. I mean, of course it's the Lord. One of the reasons, though, that we should come to church is so we can love on one another. This is the place. This is how God has put us into a family in this church, in this body. If he's called you here, this is the place. This is why it's important that we do reach out to one another and love in this way. And, yeah, we're not perfect. And our love can be stretched but we are to let it be stretched and we are to love in a way that no matter if it's stretched we're still going to love you know our vision here at, at Upcountry Calvary is, is really to love Jesus that we really come to love Jesus with a passion uh, our, 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 the second thing in our, our mission here at Oak Country Calvary is, is that we love the Word of God, and that's why we study it. We study the Bible verse by verse and learn what it says, and we, we come to hunger for it. We come to love studying God's Word. 
The fourth part of our, our mission is to love the lost, to reach out to those who need Jesus Christ, whether it's in our own community or out in the world. But the third part of this mission is, you know what? To love each other. That's our mission, to love Jesus, love the word, love each other, love the lost. The number three is love each other. So let, it's, let us be here to love like this, to love with this character. Let us together hear God calling us for this, the mission to love. All right, let's go to number four, the consistency, the consistency. We see number one, the capacity. Number two, the command. Number three, the character. And number four, the consistency, the consistency. And this is verse 23. Take a look here. It says in verse 23, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And we'll stop right there. Next time, um, we'll pick it up in verse 24. And really, this verse kind of overlaps the next section. But as we come into verse 23, Peter's writing, okay, you guys, since you've been born again, we know that term from John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisee Nicodemus and telling him, hey, look, you've got to be born again. You've got to have new life. Right? And we understand as Christians that to be born again means to be a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It means that we're a new person in Jesus Christ. And it really connects to verse 22, uh, the earlier part, where we've been purified, set free from our sinful flesh, and we become now this new person, this new creation. And so Peter says in verse 23, that this new life, this new creation, is not from perishable seed. In other words, this, this new life, being born again, it's not from like a human origin. right? We understand in a human birth, we inherited the sinful nature. We inherited the sinful flesh. We are born of the flesh, we're Satan's slave, and we're bound for judgment because of that. So Peter's saying, hey, it wasn't, wasn't a perishable seed. You know how you plant a seed and something uh, that comes out of it. He says, no, the, the, the seed that, that, that we have now, being born again, he says, but of imperishable. He's saying our new life is from imperishable origin. In other words, we have been born again. We have become a new person through God. God is our parent, basically. Quote unquote. God is our parent. So we have a spiritual birth. We know the agent of our becoming a new creation is the Holy Spirit that comes into our life and makes us a new creation. That's what the Bible teaches. So our spiritual birth is of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Yeah? And it's free to serve God, Romans chapter 6, I mentioned, right? We're, we're no longer bound to our sinful flesh. Christ has freed us when he died and rose again. We're no longer Satan's slave, but we serve the Lord. And we're bound for glory, not judgment. So here's Peter. Look, you're born again. It's God who's done this work in you. And this work, this new life, comes and is sustained by, in the end of verse 23 says, through the living and abiding word of God. Living means it's, it's alive. And, and, and Hebrews talks about that. In other words, the word of God be, is God's word, right? Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, it's God breathed, God inspired. It, it, God communicates us to us directly right here through the word of God. He's speaking to us as we're reading this. It's alive in that manner. It's alive in that it changes us. It's alive that it transforms us when we read the word. Even though this is ancient writing, it's alive today just as much as it was when it was first written. It was by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit still uses it today to speak to us. 
And it's abiding. It's the abiding word of God. Really, that's just another word for eternal, that it continues on and on. So this is the eternal living word of God. And so the word of God is, is, is like a seed. It, 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 it brought new life to us when we read its truths, when we responded to the truths of the gospel in here, and it also sustains us in the new life. All right, so understanding this, okay. So as we connect it to verse 22, Peter's saying this. Okay, so now that you are born again through the living word, be consistent to who you are. That's what he's saying. Be consistent to love because that's who you are now. Remember, uh, before Jesus, I mentioned, we, we sin as us, uh, we, we were in bondage of sin, right? The sin in us was basically centered on self. Self, selfishness. Our love was very shallow kind of love. Before Jesus, we are in bondage to basically self. If you think about it, the essence of sin is selfishness. You only think about yourself. If you think about that, I mean, think about Satan, right? Remember his I wills. Yeah? I will exalt myself, right? I will, I will. This, that, that's Satan. Only thinking of his pride, himself. I mean, that's what sin does. We just think about ourselves. But now in Jesus Christ, we're freed from that bondage of sin and thinking about ourselves all the time. And as a new person, we live for God. That's what we've been talking about. And here today, we are learning. We are to love like God does. So you can see the heart of your new life now is to love, to think of others more than yourself, Philippians 2. So our last point is this. Love each other with the consistency of who you are in Jesus Christ now. Does that make sense? I hope this, this all is clicking to you, how it all comes together. And it comes together with the consistency of that we need to love. This love is, should be consistent with who we are in Christ now because we've been freed, because we are born again, because the living word has done this. We need to love each other with the consistency of who we are in Christ now. D.L. Moody said this, A man may be a good doctor without loving his patients, a good lawyer without loving his clients, a good geologist without loving science. But he cannot be a good Christian without love. It's the truth. So maybe think of it this way. That, that supernatural love should come actually naturally because it's consistent with the freedom that we have in Christ. Turn over to um, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. 1 John chapter 4. A few pages over. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It says here, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Isn't that what Peter's saying? Right? Let's love one another. That's what Peter said in verse 7. What we're seeing in verse 7, 1 John 4, 7. For love is from God. That is God. That's God. God is in us, so we should love. And then it says, whoever loves, it proves, has been born again of God. And that they know God. That they've been saved with God. But then look at verse 8. John gets really straight here in 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. You see how black and white John makes it here? But it connects with what we're learning back in 1 Peter chapter 1. 
that this supernatural love should be natural because Christ is in us and we've been freed to love. And if we don't, then something's not right there. It kind of shows that, well, maybe you're not fully there. It's been said by enemies of Christ, religion is the root of evil. And maybe some religions, you kind of see that. But for believers, it should not stand out in that way. It shouldn't be that others don't look at you and kind of think and question, is that really what being a Christian is all about? No, we we should not be that way. God is calling us to this mission. I read about a Halima Aden, a 19-year-old Somali-American from St. Cloud, Minnesota, who competed in the Miss Minnesota USA pageant somewhat differently than others. She wore her, uh, how do you say it, hijab? Huh? Hijab. 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 Throughout the competition and a burkini during the swimsuit competition. When asked about being different than the other, she responded this way, we are all born to stand out. But think about us today, right? We are born again to stand out in this dark world as representatives of Jesus Christ. So don't be tempted by your flesh. Don't be tempted by by Satan trying to come Bring that division. Push that divide. Love, like how we're learning here. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm still growing here. I'm still learning here in all this. I'm not, I'm not perfect. And I, I, I stand here saying, hey, please forgive me if, if I've hurt you, if I've done something to you against this. I'm, I'm learning this. I'm trying to grow. Now I want to grow. But I know I can because of Christ and what Peter's writing here. Will you join me in praying together for each other? And what Paul wrote in, in uh, Philippians 1.9, he wrote that, may your love abound more and more. That's what I want in my life. I'm not perfect in it. But Lord, let it abound more and more. This is who we are now. This is what Peter's talking about. Let me close with this. Following the Super Bowl 39, a lot of footballs went on the market claiming to be from the big game. So the NFL devised a special method of identification to guarantee the authenticity of the balls actually used in a game. There's a lot of people trying to make money with with fake game balls. So what they did in subsequent years now, each of the 120 balls designed for use in the Super Bowl were marked with a drop of synthetic DNA to prevent counterfeiting. When the Super Bowl balls are held up to a special laser, the DNA glows green. The DNA pattern is so unique, this article said, there is only a 1 in 33 trillion chance it can be duplicated. I like that. Because God has set within us a unique DNA. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the love of God to come out. It's unique. You can only find this kind of love we talked about in Christianity. To this depth, to this level, only from God. And that's what we got to have. So now you see what it really means when Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is it, guys. The mission to love. Let's pray. Lord, it is our, our deepest God. Oh, humblest, Lord. Words that we can say that, God, we're sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, God. Forgive me. 
and my failure to love like this. Lord, I fall short, God. And from the deepest part of my heart, Lord, I, I cry out to you. And, and I seek your forgiveness and cleansing. And Lord, I know that we're not perfect. But God, thank you that your cross, your blood covers our sin. And that you actually are telling us today that you've made us with the capacity to love in this way. God, I cannot do it. We cannot do it in ourselves. and So we need you, Lord. God, I pray that as we humble ourselves before you, that you would pour forth your Holy Spirit into us, God, right now. Lord, as you cleanse us, as you forgive us, Lord, may your Spirit fill our hearts and with the fruit of love, God. Will you pour forth your love? Pour it out upon us right now that this kind of love we talked about would be part of our character, that the character of this love would be part of who we are now in you, Jesus. God, in understanding these things, Lord, I feel I fall short, and I feel that, God, now that I know, Lord, I know what direction to go. I know what what choices to make. And Lord, that's empowering, God, and may that empower us to live out what you want us to, to do to do it, to actually love one another in this way, to not fear, because, God, you give us that love, to take the step, God, to forgive, to to take out, Lord, those roots of bitterness, God, to find healing, Lord, from you, because this is what you want to do so that we can love like you want us to. So, Jesus, here we are, Change us, Lord, from inside all the way to out, from, God, from, from the depths of our being, where, where things aren't right. God, change that. Heal that. And, Lord, may you flood us with your love so we can flood others in the same way. We're desperate for you, God. Our dependences are upon you. Thank you that your word promised that our sufficiency is in God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.